Yins guys, thank you for listening to the Bridge to Bucktober podcast where we talk all about them Pittsburgh Pirates and that. Today is October 9th. The 2022 Pittsburgh Pirates season is over. The Bucks finished the campaign with a record of 62 and 100, just one win better than last year. But that's three straight seasons under a 400 winning percentage, four straight seasons under 500. So we're going to recap the 2022 season one more time as we head into the MLB postseason and offseason. My name is Josh, and as you can see if you're on YouTube, I am not joined by Jake, but I am also not alone. You can normally hear Jim weekly on the Pirates Fan Forum from DK Sports Pittsburgh. I'd like to welcome Jim Stam to the show this week. Josh, what's up, buddy? It's, uh, you know, we had you on, I think, boy, it's been a little bit now. So, yeah, uh, yeah returning the favor here. But, uh, yeah, sorry to disappoint anybody that's that's uh, looking for you-know-who, but uh, <laughs> I'm filling in, so. Yeah, well, it's going to be fun. And, I'm, and this is one of those things where um, there was one other time we had a guest and Jake was like, I know that you're trying to to get a guest to fill in for me, but, man, it seems like I just – I want to be a part of this. We did have Gary on with Jake, so he at least had that. Yeah. <laughs> but our other two have been in his absence. And I did one of these a couple of weeks ago by myself. And it's just different. Dude, I, I don't I, you told you mentioned that in a in a DM and I'm like, I don't know that I would have the stones to do that. So um kudos to you. Kudos to you for trying it at least, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, you guys already did your season awards and stuff like that in an episode a couple weeks ago. Um, so I actually know some of your thoughts. We're going to go through some of that stuff. Um, but I'm actually looking forward to talking some baseball with you and hearing where our conversations go in regards to this season because we know that it's, it's, you know, it's been a fun one <laughs> in some weird way, <laughs> in some weird, Always. sick way. <laughs> Oh man. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's been, um, like I said, uh, I think last week I was like, it's just been, it's simple. It's just been daunting at times. Um, you know, we, one step forward, two steps back sometimes it seems mm-hmm. like, but, uh, would have been nice. I just, you know, I know everyone says, Hey, hundred losses. It's just a number. I would have liked to have, have avoided it. They were, they were close. Um, doesn't mean anything, but big picture, probably not, but it would have just been nice not to see that one zero zero on there. Yeah. And it's, it is kind of interesting because we've talked about it several times on, on here and just said like, is, is, is a hundred different than 99? Well, in a nutshell, no, but man, when you went into that last week and you felt like they had a chance in the moment, I think it would have been better. (laughs) I I think so. I mean, like, hey, I went to a lot. I went to about, I went to two of the last three games in uh, against the Cardinals there, right at the end, and um, actually saw them win both games. So that was nice. And uh, I was, I was, you know, I was looking forward to seeing them play the Cardinals. Maybe avoid a hundred losses. Hey, get to see Poolhos, you know, um, do his thing. And so, yeah, just a little bit of juice at the end of the year. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. And I think they carry that over. Like people that say that doesn't matter, I think it does. I think they care those the individuals, the players, they carry that over. I think so. I, I mean, um, you know, you, you got to remember. I mean, the the there are some guys that have, uh, especially someone like Reynolds, 
who I'm sure he's just looking for anything right now to just feel better about where things are. And um, so, yeah, and, and hey, they closed out the season with two of three. Hey, we saw what the Cardinals just did, which wasn't much. So, hey, I mean, you take it where you can get it. And um, I think hopefully um, they can build off it in the offseason. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're going to talk all about those, I'm sure. And, <laughs> and every week we'll be talking about whether or not they're building in the offseason and uh, maybe even boy, maybe even talk a little bit about that tonight. <laughs> yeah, we yeah, probably will get into it a little bit. How can you not? Yeah, right? That's right. So let's see. Uh, we didn't. They didn't even done anything yet, which is not a surprise. But there is a little bit of uh, information before we get out here. Uh, Chavis, Michael Chavis, Jared Eikoff, Eric Hanheld, Dylan Peters, Tyler Beatty, Austin Bryce, Taylor Davis, Greg Allen, and Josh Van Meter. Uh, no surprise, they all elected free agency. So. Um, right. You know, it is what it is. I mean, some people might look at that and say, man, I really thought Chavis might stick around if he's comfortable. And it's like, listen, Taylor Davis went through this dance last year. He elected free agency. Nobody signed him. He ended up with a minor league deal with the Pirates. I'm not saying that's going to happen with Chavis, but you're foolish not to do this. And then just see if anybody out there maybe thinks they can get something out of you. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, explore your look, explore your options. If nothing happens, you still have a little bit of a landing spot. Um, and, you know, if I'm Michael Chavis, I probably say, well, I think they just told me what they think about me. You know, um, as far as plans go, maybe I'm looking for a better situation. So, um, I like you said, I think that's a no-brainer for these guys to, to do that. Like Dylan Peters, I think someone might give Dylan Peters a chance. Like, I think yeah. I would you know, based on some things. So yeah, but no surprises. I agree with you, Josh. Yep. Um, let me see. What else do I have here? Draft lottery odds finalized. This is kind of interesting because we're going to go right into how the, how the pirates did and you know, 62 and a hundred. And then the conversation happens. Well, why are we listed as fifth? Cause we should technically should be fourth. If the tiebreaker with the reds is head to head, if it's not head to head, we had a better record against the central if it's not the central, we had a better record against the national league. Right. So, I don't know. Like I kept seeing that too. I was like, well, why is it flip? They should be flip flopped. Right. And, uh, I guess, is it just, I, I don't know. Did you ever get a reasoning for it? I, I hadn't seen one. No, what I've seen is, uh, as far as like baseball reference, it lists us as fourth, but I wouldn't be surprised. And I didn't check. I wouldn't be surprised if it also lists the reds as fourth. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like if it, yeah, let me go to, well, it's, you know, Hey, we, we, we did a whole segment one time on whether we thought the pirates were going to end up, uh, somewhere other than fifth place. So maybe, yeah, it'd be nice to have a little clarification. I try to get my wins wherever I can. Yeah. It actually, we lists... said, I think we, we both said third or fourth. And, um, so yeah, it lists the reds as fourth as well. So maybe if you're not actually going into the postseason, they say, "Bah, it's just tie." <laughs> They're like, "Listen, we don't really care." <laughs> Are we the only we division that doesn't have a last place team? Then <laughs> Are we actually better uh, than? We <laughs> well, you know, the Cardinals didn't help us in the sense of at least proving that the the, the division was decent. Oh, um, you I know, know. Uh, so maybe that wasn't a surprise. Shouldn't have been a big surprise either. Except how 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 they kind of collapsed in game one and that kind of set the tone for them. But 
Yeah. Yeah. Really interesting so. because I think the battle of the centrals is who's the worst division because ours has a hunt two 100 lost teams. But I was all season saying, yeah, but our top is better than the top over there. And then Cleveland went off and Milwaukee fell off and it was like, ah, oh, maybe not. <laughs> Cle- yeah. Cleveland was a man. I mean, they went from, I mean, they, they, they really surprised me with how they finished too. Like, I mean, they kept getting better, which I actually thought maybe would be the reverse of that, that they would remember that they're not supposed to be very good. And uh, yeah, so that's baseball, man. That is. And that's why you play the games. Yeah. So what do you want to talk about, man? Let's, uh, well, let's let's do some stuff. Yeah. Let's do the season recap here and see, uh, let's see here. I, you know what? We're just going to skim over what happened in those three games. They're, they, you know, we all know. They're all done. We, we've basically said what we needed to say. Um, I think that's it. Brian Reynolds played left field in one game, and then he didn't play in the last one. So if you want to say that. And I never heard anything. Yeah, I never. I, that surprised me a little. I'm, I don't know. Maybe he had a, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe that was prearranged or whatever. I yeah. just thought it was odd. I mean, but. You know, those are the, some of the things we just don't ever find out the reasons for. Maybe he, maybe he tweaked something. Up. Yeah. Maybe. And it just so. isn't worth it at that point. I mean, you know, you already lost a hundred. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's not going for any type of um, statistical milestone or, you know, right. like he wasn't sitting on 29 home runs That's and maybe right. wanted 30 or so. So, um, yeah, I mean, Cruz played, so that was good. Um He's the one I get real disappointed when I when he's not in the lineup. I think when I go to a game, like if there's anybody I think you want to just see more in person, it's yeah. it's him for sure. Yep. So, all right, so I'm going to run down some things here and I'm going to try to get through them quick cuz I looked up I, I did this last year. It, it's kind of fun, but uh looks like I didn't do one of them, so I'll just skip over that one. But okay. um yeah, I've already I've already said a little bit because it says maybe tied for last. Maybe there's definitive, but either way, uh, the Pirates. <laughs> this is going to be depressing, maybe a little, a little bit. The, right. the Pirates were never in first place this season, and they spent uh, only one day, April seventeenth, over five hundred. One uh, day they got back to five hundred a few times after that. One day over five hundred. Um. Worst month was August, 9 and 19. Best month, uh, if you don't count October, was May at 12 and 15. Nothing to hold on to there. Longest okay. <laughs> longest winning streak was four. Uh, they did it twice. Longest losing streak was nine. They were shut out 15 times, and they shut their opponent out six times. Not good. Here's one to hold <laughs> on to. Here's a winning record. Are you ready? Nine okay. walk-off wins, eight walk-off losses. So in walk-off finishes we were nine and eight <laughs> take take our wins where we can get them I you're suppose. gonna need to this gets worse oh no 21 and 27 in one run games uh 461 winning percentage against the central um man i looked i dug in i looked at day versus night home versus away this division that division i looked at each day of the week and uh, let me just tell you, the Pirates were three and twenty-one on Fridays. What an insane! 
I, I with no explanation that you could. It's not like Sundays where you give guys days off, and it would make sense that that's like the rest day for three and twenty-one. Good Lord Almighty! They didn't even have a day of the week where they had a winning record. Here's one. Well, I guess hey, those are good for uh, fireworks and bobbleheads, I suppose. Yeah, that's the only when you're getting on a Friday. Yeah, uh, I, I talk a lot about four runs. If you score four runs or more, you put yourself in good position to win. That's the magic number. And it was proven out. When we scored four or more runs, which we did that 73 times, <laughs> it should be higher than that, but <laughs> <laughs> the the Pirates were 52 and 21 when we just score at least four runs. So, you know, man. I, yeah, I, mean, I- I dug in. <laughs> there was nothing. You did, man. Like that's great because I haven't heard some of these numbers, like the NL Central, what the record was. I think you said we were like four sixty one. Yeah, four sixty one um, winning percentage. Winning percentage. Um, you know, that's where it starts, Josh. I mean, we got to be able to beat teams in the division. The division is down a little bit. Yeah, it's big. I, you know, um, I would have liked to have seen that number uh, a tick higher, obviously, and hopefully that. You know, you give yourself you, you beat you beat your teams in your division. You give yourself a chance just because of the number of games, right? That you're playing against them. So, yeah, and this doesn't re- to- this really doesn't have carryover uh, because each year everything's different. But the Pirates have typically fared pretty well in interleague play, and this year four and sixteen, like <laughs> this is just not good in interleague play. Either. Oh yeah, they've actually been really good in interleague play. League against the league, like standard was. Yeah, they got smoked. I was at the Yankees game when they got destroyed, mm. and great environment. But man, it, it was uh, it was a little ugly. So, yeah, and it could could be that of the teams they had to play, they had to play the Blue Jays, they had to play oh, the, the Yankees. ALS I mean, it was, was not really a, good. Yeah, so that had a lot to do with it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, and seven against Atlanta, that was awesome. <laughs> five and one against wow. the Dodgers. Let, let's see if there's anything. <laughs> That's it. Four and three against the Nationals, which could have actually even been better than that, but not good. Who else? Who else was in there? We played really well against somebody else too. There was the Dodgers and somebody else that was a good team, and we uh, we actually see. beat up on them. I just don't remember who it is because it was kind of the funny thing. We had a de- you know we obviously five of six against them. And I don't remember. Yeah. What else, what else you got? Um, yeah, that's it. And I'm looking down through, I, I, I don't know, two and four against the Padres, one and six against the Mets, eight and so 11 we, against Milwaukee. Yeah. Huh. Nine and 10. So, I mean, just to say the other two teams that were bad in our division, we were nine and 10 against the Cubs and 12 and seven against Cincinnati. So, I mean, like, it's close there when you're talking about being a bad division. 8-11 and 11 against Milwaukee, that's close. Yeah, so you're, you're just You're just losing a little. Yeah, right. but then 6-13 and 13 against St. Louis, which, you know, makes sense. But I'll tell you what you, it's really shown me, too, like, is, except for maybe that Dodgers outlier, you named all the teams, like the Mets, the Braves, the Corps. We took our lumps against good baseball teams. Yeah. <laughs> so... That probably shouldn't surprise anybody, but um, you know, it's it tells you how far we have to go in some way, shape, or form to really compete with these 
upper echelon teams and you really notice it in the playoffs josh i think like man you you, there's just some really good teams and good players out there three teams we did not beat uh and the we talked about atlanta oh and seven the other two were those als ales teams that you said just oh and three you know what i mean so just the three game series Uh against tampa bay and toronto and and all three of those teams are in the postseason so it's just you know just what you're saying there Thank goodness we weren't in that division. <laughs> and somehow Baltimore did really well. I mean, that is a sign. If you're trying to like say, what do we have? To, what are we looking for? You're looking for something like that, or something like what's going on in Cleveland. Sure. You know, but I, I don't. You know. And I the tippy know. top of that mountain would be like the Atlanta Braves setup, which would what, what what they've been able to do. But that is. Yeah, That's I've been tough. I've been looking at a couple of things too. If you look back at, at Houston, uh, with their they had three straight seasons where they lost a hundred games, um, and they yeah. were more than us. Like we're talking one hundred and eleven, one hundred and nine, something like that. Uh, and it was it was one of those things where they're they're tearing it down and and rebuilding it, which is what we've gone through. And they had one year where they were you know around five hundred. I don't know if they were a little bit over, a little bit under. The year after that. They were in the postseason going deep. It took off. Yeah, so it took and, off. and you hope you hope as a fan that that's what we're looking forward to. Um, but until then, let's go ahead and go over some of our and like I said, I know you guys covered some of these, so you've already got some stuff on this. But uh, and mm-hmm. I think some of these are are pretty self explanatory. But I, I think this is good. Let's go over some uh, some team notes, some team awards. Uh, we uh-huh. did this last year too, so we're we're gonna we're gonna have some fun with this. So, team MVP is the easiest one. Pretty simple, right? I mean, Brian Reynolds, all he does is hit in bad lineups on bad teams. Um, yeah. yeah, he struggled with runners in scoring position this year. Uh, really got off to a bad start, but I think once you get past that first month, I mean, dude's a hitter. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Yeah, and I so I said the same thing, and and I I, I told you before uh, I got to talk to Jake, and I do have his his picks. He picked okay. Ryan Reynolds as well. Um, yeah, last year runners in scoring position two ninety seven. In twenty twenty was bad year. He had two twenty, and it would have been around fifty in a full season RBIs. He had sixty two this year. He was he had nineteen RBIs. In in nineteen his first season he had three seventeen. So. He's capable. He just had another. Yeah, you know it's I mean? not a narrative. It, I don't know that there's a narrative there. Some people like to try to go with that, I think. Yeah. And you know, too, Josh, season to season, th- those things can fluctuate. Absolutely. All right. So, how about best pitcher? I was so mad at Jake when I talked to him about this because he, he tended, I was just giving him the floor because I was like, I got my notes, but I need to hear from you. And he kept saying the same guy. Uh, we got David Bednar here. I, I just had a hard time arguing with with anything else for you know best pitcher. Two sixty one ERA. That's a one fifty six ERA plus. Uh, Twelve strikeouts per nine, and it felt like coming into the season, I knew he was good. I don't think I really realized he was going to be like that guy. I think he became was, that guy. Tell you what, man. Before he got some physical issues Mm -hmm. he was top two closer in baseball numbers wise when you know so for the first couple months 
And I think some people may look at that and think, oh, well, he was pitching over his maybe ceiling. I It didn't seem like that to me. It just seemed like uh, he was legitimately that good. He was that dominant. I think there was a bit of an attitude that came along with it, too, when you're talking about back end of that. It felt like he really came into it. Like it really, you know what I mean? Like I, and closers are, are, are finicky too. So it, it, even if it goes five years, I mean, you look at Handerhan and what he was, he didn't, he wasn't necessarily that for many, many years. Um, so, it, you know, cause I, I only say that cause you say, oh, he lasted three years and he's, if he does, that doesn't mean he, that this isn't legit. Like, I think it's definitely legit, but either way for 2020, uh, or for 2022, still my pitcher, my best pitcher. Did yeah, I, I I think he's hard. I mean, you know, um, if you want to get creative with maybe a suggestion, someone outside the box, I could tell you that maybe someone like Chase DeYoung yeah. might have been their best pitcher. Uh, his numbers, man, like I don't think people like people don't realize like he was mid two ERAs and a and a and a WHIP that was really good. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, he, they, he didn't fare so well with trying to close games there, but who was, you know? Um, so just th- th- that's a name I threw out there because he was really, really good, Josh. Seriously good. And those numbers are very close uh, to the numbers that that I just read off to, to Bednar, and I, and I have them okay. here. So um, they're, they're close. I said 261 for Bednar. Chase DeYoung was at a 264 and did so okay. in 20 more innings. Yeah, which, they, which counts. They, they 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 used him a lot, which in the bullpen, I don't know. I mean, that's that could be said about everybody as we went along there. <laughs> yeah, he did pitch in three less games than Bednar, but he was going multiple innings. So, which is where you get those, you know, where you get sure. those extra 20, 20 innings. And and there were a few things that were just a little, um, you know, that ERA is close, but um, just a tick better with Bednar. You, you talked, you talked whip 1.123 for Bednar, 1.144 for, for, uh, mm-hmm. Chase DeYoung. So, I mean, very close. The strikeouts is where it really hit Yeah, 12 strikeouts obviously. an inning for Bednar and 7.4, uh, for Chase DeYoung and, and the strikeout to walk 197 versus the, versus the 431, uh, for Bednar where he just, you know, you start to get that. He only he only walked sixteen guys, Bednar, and when you start getting that that ratio up there, I, yeah. that's to me where it separated and where because I was looking at Chase DeYoung. I mean, I was like, okay, I, this that's blew great. me away. It blew me away, yeah. and I was not well, that, on. Like you, like you said about Bednar is when you start seeing these like four to one, five to one strikeout to uh, um, K ratios, or you know, like yeah, that is. Walk, it, yeah. Yeah, uh, strike out the walk, Rich is like, um, that's where you start. Like, it's hard to dispute. Like, that doesn't happen by accident. You have to have elite, nasty stuff to get to that point. So, when you when you can strike guys out like that, things don't things don't tend to uh, to domino on you. If a couple, because guys are going to earn hits off you, no matter how good you throw the ball. Sure. If you can avoid two or three of those in a row by getting those strikeouts. I mean, that just goes so much further. Yeah, I mean, you can bail yourself out of a lot of situations. You don't got to depend on anyone else to do it. So, yeah, yeah. big big difference. 
Uh, and you know what? Kudos to Jake on that too, because when I said, oh, great, they got DeYoung coming back. And Jake said, hey, I know the numbers weren't good last year, but I still think there's something there. And I was like, you're crazy. And look. I did. I, 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 I disregarded it too. Yeah. To be quite honest. Uh, rookie of the year. Who, uh, who do you got here? Uh, t- t- for me, it's Jack Swinski. Um, that's my guy just simply because, um, to provide that kind of power for a team that was desperately going to need it. If we could just get them to figure out how to hit away from PNC park. Like I've never <laughs> yeah. seen sw- course field splits. Don't look like Jack Sawinski's splits. No, um, it was crazy. I mean, it's, it was nine something OPS at home to a, a slugging of like, in the twos or ones away, like, and, and, and like they're even splits as far as like games, it's like 56 games at home, yeah. 50 away. Um, but you know what? Uh, he just, he, he handled getting demoted. Well, he handled some bad stretches. Well, I thought he showed some things at the end. He closed out the season, the last 15 or so games playing better. Um, so it's tough, man. I was a rookie going through some things, and I think he, I think he performed pretty well. I'm excited to see what he can do. Yeah, I, I was looking between Rowanzi, O'Neill, and Sawinski for my, for mine. And when I looked at the numbers between O'Neill Cruz and Jack Sawinski, there was just enough uh, from Cruz that I, I couldn't put him past it. And I actually never finished my whole thought. I have it written down: Rowanzi or O'Neill. And I didn't pick, but yeah, I was fair too. And it was just like, because I felt like Rowanzi never really, I mean, had a couple bad outings, never really wavered from me. He got sent down for and shut down essentially for the Mm -hmm. time that he did. And I wonder if maybe that would have hurt him or helped him either way, but I don't know. I, I guess I have to say one. I'll say O'Neill. Jake also said O'Neill, and he really wasn't as much as he's a pitcher guy. He wasn't even really saying like he he brought up Rowanzi, but he was really thinking Sawinski as well. That was his first answer. He said Sawinski, easy. Interesting. And I said, yeah, I, I like I like that you have his answers because it just adds a little bit extra element to it to see if like one of us was on the on a track with somebody else. Yeah. So, I mean, with, with this many rookies, you know, it actually, there was a lot to think like, uh, you know, yeah. Uh, gold glove award. Uh, I mean, for me, it's still Hayes, even though I think people give him a little bit of a pass sometimes on some of like, um, he, uh, like people say, oh, well, errors, you know, that's, that's, that's not important anymore. Well, they still are. Mm -hmm. And, um, um, he got off to an odd start there too. I think he had five or six errors with really early in the season. So um, just, you know, he's still the best. He's lucky. He's still the best fielder on that team. And it's probably not even close. It's not. And his numbers weren't even close. I, I started looking and, and it, I, I like a lot of the analytics. I, I don't quite understand defensive analytics to, you know, to the degree that I would like to, uh, but either way, all of, all of the players on the pirates we're in single digits on those above average numbers and he's double digits, just blowing it away. The, yeah. You know, and it, it's just way too much. Uh, he, and he's still only, and I say only because like you said, he started off with like a lot of errors. He still only ended with 12 errors. Right. And yeah. you think about like, 
uh, really, even if you look at it at the at the analytics and and the different numbers that they have on uh, um, on Rodolfo Castro, they're not bad. They're actually good. And he had eleven errors in way less yeah. games. Right. So and like you said too, like some of those are a little funny to, to interpret. Yeah. But you can compare them against the peer his peers and see, especially with Hayes, and see okay, well. Maybe I don't fully understand what I'm looking at, but I see, I see Hayes as being clearly, clearly better. I mean, we talked defensive runs saved, mm-hmm. dude's I, dude's special at depend, third. Yeah, and I, I I tend to look a lot of, at Baseball Reference and, and not as not as much as I'd like to at Fangraphs, um, but I am all over Baseball Reference, and theirs are are defensive runs saved above average, um, is how they're is how I was looking at this, and it, I mean it's. It's Key Brian Hayes with 24 runs saved above average. And the next guy is Heineman with five. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> like five outs above average runs above average. Like it's not even close. Yeah. It's it's crazy. It, yeah. It's it's far and wide, Key Brian Hayes. I'm, and and I wonder if if he continues to do this, if he'll start to get the Nolan Arenado treatment. Uh if you were watching the game the other night. He absolutely whiffed on a double play ball that would have ended an inning, and it. they gave the guy a hit. I saw it. It didn't it, touch his glove, it, and it's like, dude, that's a double play. Sure. Yep. I think he will eventually get get that kind of treatment there, especially once Arenado is done um, being Nolan Arenado. But yeah. that'll be interesting to see this this year whether he if how that works out with the Gold Glove. Too, um, right. I'm, yeah. Oh, yeah. It will be because because we may see that still in effect. Yeah. That you know Hayes doesn't get it. The uh, the eye test before I started digging in, I was like, okay, it's probably Hayes, but I really wanted to look at Jack Swinsky because I felt like defensively he was so good, and you know outfielders is just a lot harder. Those numbers aren't aren't close. And so there was really nothing to to back it up in that way. But I'll go ahead and bring that up because our, our next category here is most pleasant surprise. And Jack Sawinski is mine uh, because I just I, I didn't see this coming. Like when we were talking offseason, Sawinski was a guy I was saying, OK, I'm willing to put this guy into the rule. Five. I know the rule five didn't happen, but I was OK leaving him unprotected. 19 home runs in 104 games. Um and let's see, I I didn't I didn't even have this guy on my list of guys to make his debut this year, and he hit 19 home <laughs> runs. Yeah, uh, and we've already talked about his home road splits, um, but over- good feel, good fielder though. I I yeah. do I I'm glad you brought that up because he always seems to make the right reads. He's got a good arm. He plays uh, the balls off the wall well. Um, he's he's a really solid outfielder. And got him for Adam Frazier, who had the big hit uh, yesterday for the Mariners. Yeah. And I, I started him. looking. Good for him, by the oh, way. Dude, I love Adam Frazier still. And I still root for a lot of the guys that leave. Like, I, most of them. You know, I have a hard time rooting for Garrett Cole. But, <laughs> but you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, some of these guys. You know what I mean? Adam Frazier was one of those guys that I always liked. I love the fact that he jumps on the first pitch and doesn't stand up there forever. And that's exactly what he did. But then I looked at the numbers and I was like, "Oh, Jack Jack Swinsky way outplayed him this year." 
<laughs> I guess I'm not. Like, did he really? Okay. Oh. I I think I I knew Adam Fraser did not have a good year. Yeah, and actually, I uh, I put this up yesterday because I I saw some chatter about it uh, because I said something and then noticed a couple people saying like, yeah, you know, people like to to hate on these guys once they leave, uh, but I said, um, you know, that he had a huge. We love that that he jumps on the first pitch. I love that. But then I just put out there, if you're curious, Frazier had an 80 OPS plus this year. Sawinski, 98. Frazier hit three home runs. Jack hit 19. 22 doubles for Frazier, 11 for Jack. Okay, played a lot more games. 50 more games. And Adam Frazier only got walked five more times. Wow. And according, this is baseball reference war. It's a little bit different for fan graphs. But Adam Frazier, a 0.7 war this year, and Jack Sawinski was a 1.3. And then, of course, I had to put in the tweet, Bob's favorite stat, Frazier made $8 million this year and Jack Swinsky made league minimum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, that's that's the one that Mr. Nutting likes to hear. <laughs> but Jake also uh, said Jack Swinsky. Did you have anybody different there? You know, I did. I'll tell you who it is. I had Rodolfo Castro. I like as, that. As for this um just because the guy i saw this time around i i i think before i only saw him as maybe like a utility type guy with some decent pop or whatever mm-hmm. the guy i just saw for the the last half of the season when he finally got up and started playing again that was a guy that like all of a sudden is he a 20 25 home run middle of the infield second baseman i mean like he was flashing some serious chops as a hitter never looks overmatched like so to me like it just he i I have him in a totally different category than i i i did not long ago and it changes things immensely for the pirates if that's true i agree Uh, i think i think that the way that he played absolutely changed the way that they even thought about Michael Chavis just because I'm sure it had a domino effect on a lot of things because I don't think that Chavis long-term you're thinking first base, right? I mean, he's typically going to play second base or, or, you know, or third and with some first in there as well. And I just thought they don't have room at second base for him anymore. He he's a lot less versatile now for the pirates because there's just no room at second base for him. When you're looking at the list of guys that they have, I would take, yeah, I would take Castro. I would take Marcano. Even I would take Bay, and, and there's more coming. Uh, I would take Castillo. I would take Newman. He's still on the team right now. I would take Newman. I, all those guys over Chavis. And so there's yeah. He's so far down on the depth chart at second base that it's just too hard. Not to mention, yeah. you know, he also plays third, which doesn't help Chavis out either. <laughs> it, no, that's insane. Like, to, like so. That's for me. Like Castro was the one that really. Um, really caught my attention I, I i thought oh my goodness is this guy and we have to get lucky on some of these guys to be better than i think we thought they would be and maybe castro is one of them yeah so yeah that's good uh on the opposite end of the spectrum most uh-huh. disappointing player uh you were uh you or your brother let's see what yeah. Which way you're going there? Um, I'll do Jake's first because I actually I'll do mine because it's a little less uh, a little less interesting. And I do have a couple notes here because if anybody's been listening throughout the year, uh, I did think Cole Tucker was going to be better 
And you would think I would say him, but I'm really not like that surprised that it that he didn't pan out. Uh, and I knew who Yoshi was going to be, so I'm not disappointed at all. I knew exactly <laughs> who he was and who he was going to be. For me, I'm going to go with Zach Thompson. And I thought about Miguel Yohore because I thought he might make a turn for the better. But for me, it's Zach Thompson because the body of work and just underwhelming altogether. You saw flashes here and you saw, yeah, if he just does that, he could be. And then it just seemed to not stick. And for the numbers that he put up, and I know that like his minor league career doesn't show it, I just had a little more, I was a little more, uh, I thought he, I don't think that he would be electric or exciting, uh -huh. but he was just really bad altogether. He had that little stretch in there of starts where he um, looked well, uh, looked pretty decent, was pitching well. And that gave people hope, I think. And then um, it, it, it this, the bottom kind of fell out. So big guy, you would like to think he, he could be a little bit more of a, a, a power pitcher. He's just, he's just not, like you said, he's, there's, there's just, he's ultimately kind of forgettable when he starts games. You're hoping to yeah. get five innings out of him. And maybe if he gives up three runs, you'd take it. Yeah. Yeah. Sadly, and sad it, to say. To me, it was it was disappointing because I just don't see how that's anything looking forward either. Yeah, there's just, I just don't have anything to hold on to, and you know, obviously catching was a, a big deal, and that's that's the first guy we got in the Stallings trade, right? And that's that's what made it that to me those types of things is what made it disappointing. Um, Jake had Roberto Perez, that was it, and I was like, man, I didn't even think of going there, and he said. He he barely played, and to me that was disappointing. And and for the same one of those same reasons is what happened to our catcher position all year. It started there. And it's interesting because I think of disappointing as in performance yeah. uh, related. He thought of it as, oh, that's a different way to look at it. So, yeah, I thought that was um, interesting. Yeah, that's legitimate. I mean really affected things. I mean, Roberto Perez, when he look, man, defensively, he's a really good catcher. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Hey, you, you blow out your hamstring, you barely play, but, uh, yeah, that's an interesting, I didn't look at it that way. I, didn't I, either, I yeah. was much more in the, my, my two kind of guys were, um, obviously Yoshi because not only was it bad, it was awful. I'm talking, <laughs> he looked like a 160 pound slap hitter that hit a hundred that hit 160. It was so, so bad. Um, to me, it was haze, but I've backed off that a little bit simply because of him. If he truly was, you know, dealing with the hip and the back and, and those types of things. Um, I don't want to, go too hard on him but i think he hit somewhere in the 240s that's too low for cabrian hayes and average isn't everything anymore but I, yeah. I, i'll still say cabrian hayes you, you sign that contract something comes along with that yeah. so i'm still i'll still go cabrian hayes okay uh how many more we have here we've got Let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and take just a short break. And we have right. more of these, but this is good. This is good. This is uh, this is really good. I like this. So let's take a quick break, and uh, and we'll be right back. 
Thanks for listening to the Bridge to Bucktober podcast. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Bridge the Number Two Bucktober. Audio podcast available on your favorite podcast platform. Video podcast available on YouTube. Follow us on the socials and subscribe to the podcast. If you're on Apple Podcasts, take a couple minutes for a review. We'll be right back. Swearingen Bat Company is Ohio's premier wood bat company, specializing in custom wood bats to meet any need from T-ball to senior league. Check out their website at swearingenbaseball.com. Link is in the show notes. Twitter and Instagram at Swearingen Bats. You can also find them on Facebook. Swearingen Bat Company, that's swearingenbaseball.com. Let them know you heard it here. And we're back here on the Bridge to Bucktober podcast. Jim Stam with us this week from Pirates Fan Forum and from like massive Twitter following and whatnot. Oh, God. <laughs> I know you have a lot of fun on Twitter, so... I do, man. I get in trouble on Twitter for my sarcasm, but oh well, oh well. So we're going through these. Uh, we're going through these, and uh, I, I like this discussion. I I think that this is um, it's good to kind of think back through the season and of some of these things. And we have some uh, a couple good ones here uh, coming up that I think are good to talk about. Some of the positives that came out of this year. Most impressive player. I'll go ahead and go first on this one. For me, it was O'Neill Cruz. Um, I, I just think the the arm, the all of those things that quote unquote impress you. Uh, I had no idea that that speed was what it was. That was the thing that got me when when he took off and it was like, oh, he threw the ball really hard. I'm like, yeah, I know. He hit the ball really hard. I'm like, yeah, yeah, we've seen that. When they said he had the fastest sprint speed and like the first time he sprinted, I was like, oh. I, I did you know that you know that uh that shack meme when it says like I was not aware of your yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. that's what I thought of. Um <laughs> because I just thought, man, that that really impressed me. I I didn't expect that. Anytime you are mentioned in the same breath with Tyreek Hill <laughs> of uh, uh for speed, um th- and they 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 measure him and he's super close as far as the ground he can cover. The the dude's speed is legit, but like all overall, I mean, he's Cruz is my guy too. Look, um, everything about him is is if you play baseball, you dream of being able to do certain things athletically. He can pretty much do all of those. Yeah, um, you, know, you know, throw the ball 100 miles an hour, great. You want to be uh, the fastest? You you want Tyree kill speed, great. You you want to hit the ball country mile, great. I mean, yes, he's got to put it all together, but the fact that it's there is something. Um, I just think about like that clip of when Michael Chavis hit a home run in a game and he had to pour every ounce of his soul into hitting the ball out of the ballpark. And then right after that, Cruz comes up and does one of those easy swings and hits it 430 feet. <laughs> and Chavis is sitting like he's, he's up on the um, dugout railing. And just you could see the look on his face is like the things I have to do to hit a ball <laughs> and watching this dude. So, you know, I guarantee you ask the players in the, in the clubhouse, Josh, I guarantee you they say the same thing. Oh, yeah. It's probably Cruz. Yeah. Especially when you're looking at, like I said, when, when you look at the word impressive, that's that to me, that's what it is. And yes, like you said, it needs to be honed in and become consistent. Right. And but it's there. It is there. Um, <laughs> and Jake actually went with Rowanzi on this one. He, like I said, he's a pitching guy, um, and he just he went with Rowanzi. He said, "Yeah, I know O'Neill Cruz was impressive too." 
I, I'm going with Rowanzi. Okay. <laughs> That's, I mean, if you're, if you were trying to think like, okay, in my mind, it's okay. If, if I can't pick O'Neill Cruz, I'd probably say Rowanzi. Sure. Contreras never looked overmatched. And if it did, if he did, it was very, very small doses of that. And he, and he always, even when he wasn't, even when he did not have his stuff, he, he, he still pitched well enough to normally get through it and look pretty good doing it. Yeah, I think that's the part where I would really go to the, the impressive part of Rowanzi was when he didn't have his stuff and you could see that he didn't have it, he still Clearly. was effective. Yeah. You know, I mean, for him at that age to to be able to pitch like that, that's re- that is really impressive. So yeah. I I don't think that anybody's going to have anything else here, but we could. The next one is most improved player. And I actually thought of of Rodolfo Castro first because I always think of hitters first. But for me it's it's no question it's Mitch, it's Mitch Keller. It's Mitch Keller. Yeah. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. I think I gave the different answer. I think I went with Castro on our show. I'd have to go back and oh, look at okay. it. But, and I th- yeah, I did because I was yeah. Um but Keller, I mean, man. It, everything about him his last what, 20 starts or whatever. I mean, everything was different. It looks like it finally clicked. Yeah. So. And it was a journey. And <sighs> and and we all were excited. And then some of us didn't back down. Some of us did. I remember the episode saying, I'm done looking forward to his starts. I'm done. I'm uh, not giving I mean, up on the player. But until he can put some of this together consistently, I'm not even excited to see him pitch anymore. And yeah. it was, I think nope. we counted, it was six in a row where I said, all right, I'm okay now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, uh, it took, it, it just took so long for it to stick. And um he had to be super frustrating for the pirates too. I mean, like the pull your hair out type guy to watch because you're seeing all this ability, but nothing, nothing was going right. I mean, to the point where they put him in the bullpen. That's when I really thought, okay, this is going, there might not be a coming back from that moment. And um, credit to him. I mean, and uh, and you've got to credit the staff a little, uh, the coaching staff a little bit. You know, Oscar Marine, and they added. You know, he started relying a lot more. Um, was it the? It was a. Was it the two seamer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so just night and day difference. That was unbelievable. I was, and, I and was... he's huge for the for, for the. Uh, f- look, Mitch Keller has to be a part of this. Yeah, moving forward for it to take hold. Well, I think so. I think when you look at it and you say, I mean, there was a point where I said he's not coming back next year. He's not going to be here. Like this, we're done with this. And now it's to the point where you're like, you can't let him go. Yeah. Now it's okay. We have a foundation. We've got two guys here, uh, and I consider that I consider that two guys that that I would consider top. You know, depending on what they do, one, two, or three. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And definitely in that. Yeah category yep and so then you're saying okay well he's right there and now we can fill out those last two you know with you know with whatever that is and in that you know that's to come but 
Uh, and yeah, oddly I mean, enough, he's... maybe that makes him more signable because he wasn't so dominant and we were able to keep him, which would help, obviously. I mean, it's a huge, huge piece of this now. Yeah, yeah. So, so what else? Uh, on, the, uh, on the flip side here, the next one is, and for lack of a better term, I called it dude who took a step back. <laughs> uh, I'll start with Jake's here because we kind of already broke down him a little bit, but he said Zach Thompson. Okay. Um, for me, and I, and man, I went all over the place on this. It's Bryce Wilson. Um, I think his his late season uh, good outings that happened. I, I think they were misleading. I think this guy is. If I was running things, he he wouldn't be on. He wouldn't even be in the spring in spring training with us. He wouldn't be. I would go Zach Thompson before Bryce Wilson. His good outings were against Cincinnati. Uh, let me see. I have this here. Cincinnati and Chicago. It was, he had good outings. Okay. So it was Baltimore, Cincinnati, Cincinnati, Chicago, Cincinnati in August and September. Those were his good outings. Yeah. His bad outings, Milwaukee, San Francisco, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, Mets, Mets, and Cardinals in that same time frame. And I'm like, okay, so basically you put him against it. I mean, Baltimore's Baltimore's good. So that's the outlier in in those games that were good. The rest everything of those, else, yeah. everything else was you put him against a lineup that's capable and uh, capable's unfair to to Cincinnati and Chicago. I mean, they're still major leaguers, but you put you know <laughs> what I mean, but you know right. for you know what I mean, and he just it, it's him, it's him for me. Just, just look at his innings pitched to strikeouts on the year. It's it's for for a league that is you know for if you're not averaging around strikeout of inning in today's game, you're, you're in trouble. I mean, unless you're, unless you're somebody that's just really crafty and what, and whatnot, he, he, he doesn't strike out anybody. I mean, like I don't have the numbers in front of me, 6.1. It's, it's bad. I mean, like, you know, and, and he doesn't have anything really to, to make up for that. So he's got to put the ball, let people put the ball in play. Um, I agree with you. I think he's, I think to me, if he's in any more of the discussion other than maybe like a mop up guy, that's concerning to me. Injury depth. If he's in Indy, yeah. but he can't, he's not going to make it in Indy on the 40 man roster for me. But uh, that's it. That could be too. Yeah. If the, and if that happens, I'd be fine with it. Um, uh, I'll, I'll piggyback off that for a second because only JT Brubaker on, in our rotation, if you look at Keller, Brubaker, Thompson, Wilson, Quintana, and Contreras this year, uh -huh. uh, only JT Brubaker had over nine uh, when, it, when it's strikeouts per nine. He was uh -huh. 9.2. But you look at the others, and we know the struggles. Mitch Keller's numbers are, are skewed because they were, right. they were so heavy early. Um, but if you look at Zach Thompson, he had 6.7 and Bryce Wilson, 6.1 strikeouts per nine. Yeah. It's it, just the way the game is played now. And, but you pair that with 10.2 and 10.3 hits per nine. And that goes back to what I was saying is you look at Quintana, he was only 7.8, but it will only 8.7 hits per nine. Uh, right, Rowanzi, right. eight point one strikeouts per nine, but only seven point eight hits per nine. That's where it changes, is when you can give up less hits, you can get yourself out of those 
jams when you're giving up 10 hits in nine innings then and your strikeouts are still that low like you better have 10 <laughs> strikeouts per nine innings if you're gonna have like, you know it's a it's a horrific combination yeah. <laughs> if that's what you're doing so um real quick mine mine was um uh still Hayes. i i was disappointed i thought he took a step back offensively especially as the season went on yep it just seemed to be more of a grind. So, you know, I think we're all aware of some of the things he needs to do uh, or try to work on. Um, but felt felt like it was a real grind at times for him. Yeah. All right. It's time for we, – we actually have a – we have four interesting ones here that maybe aren't specific to players unless we decide they are. Um, <laughs> basically, we can get creative with it. But let's start with Derek Shelton's – uh, grade for the season. I'll go. I'll take it. Um, C minus. Okay. <laughs> um, I really hesitate with him to pile on too much just because I think, you know, I mean, managers tend to look a lot better when they have better players yeah. and, and they don't have enough of those. Um, but I, I will say, and I almost gave him a D overall for it, is um, I thought he weirdly at times went to try to win games when other times they didn't seem to care. Mm. I thought they were very reckless with David Bednar yep. for a while there. With the multi-inning, treating him as like, you know, he was some just indestructible horse. And if you notice... Once that happened, and then he had the back issues, and then he came back, they treated him totally different. Mm -hmm. No more multi-inning outings. No more. I mean, 51 pitches against the Dodgers to close out that. What are we doing? Yeah. You know. um, Oh, it's fun, but ultimately not worth it. No. And um, I just think you can't be that reckless with a guy like that. Of course, David Bednar is going to say, "Give me the baseball." Mm-hmm. He's always he'll, he he'd have said that the next day if you told him it was important enough. So that's where I'm at with with Shelton. Um, I think this next year is a really good year to really kind of. I think it's the first year you can fair start to fairly, um, uh, kind of assess him. Yeah, last year I gave him an incomplete because I felt like he wasn't given a roster to make anything even worth it. This year, I thought there was enough there. This is his second real season now. Right. And I gave him a D. Jake gave him a D plus. <laughs> but my D was because of the way he handled the pitching staff. And it wasn't because I I made the point a bunch because Jake was consistently on the fact that he didn't like the way that he handled the pitching staff in taking guys out instead of letting them go or using bullpen guys too many innings. Like, he was very hard on that. And I said, you know, it's it's one thing to, like, to say you don't like the way he does things, but if that's how he's going to do it, then I'm not going to hold that against him if he stays consistent with it. But he wasn't consistent with it. Well, he moved around it's... too much. He changed, uh, he changed what he did from one start to the next. Yeah, and it's interesting because, and and this goes back to why I probably did, kept it at a C minus too. Is I don't know what the marching orders are for Derek Shelton yeah. per player, you know, and so um, 
that's the that's the one thing I don't know is like you know how how if if you're talking about Rowanzi or if you're talking about Ortiz or like what are they allowing what do they want Shelton to do and I know that they're in his ear about some of this because it's development it's yeah. development and it's safeguarding pitching yep um but then some weird things happen they let Rowanzi pitch 90 innings in his last or 90 pitches in his last outing yes when everyone thought he was going to throw 60 or yeah, 70 the or, talk was 60 what happened there do you not care about him now or that is strange right so there's some strange things um i hope they get if they are in his ear i hope they get out of his ear uh michael McHenry brought this up on our show just the other day Let's start letting ball players play. Let's find out. These guys need to find out about themselves. The Pirates need to find out about these guys. And hey, let's not be as scared, to, uh, afraid to let guys throw more than five innings. Or if they get in a little bit of trouble, let's see what they've got. Yeah. So. Yeah, and and the other piece of that to 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 push me to the D also was I didn't like the way he answered questions sometimes. Uh, I am all about you telling me that that's something you're going to handle behind closed doors. If you tell me that, technically, that's none of my business. I don't need to know what's going on in that clubhouse. I sure want to know, but I don't need to know. When the cell phone came out of Castro's pocket, that was a big thing. He was weird about it. When Key Brian Hayes was eating sunflower seeds, those are the things that those are the things, the two things that happened this year, right? That was like, well, what's he doing? Is there is there is this just a reckless clubhouse? And it was like, well, hold on, like they're gonna handle this. And however they decide to handle it is is it really up to them? But I just thought the way that he addressed it was just odd. Oh, it's no problem. There's, well, wait a minute. There's <laughs> yeah. There's been some. It's a good point you bring up. And there's a couple other instances he talked about. He's not. He's secure in his job. Yeah. He's not worried that about that. That was a that. big one. Uh, yeah. Um, just don't day, say that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like the other day talking about 100 losses and he's like, it has no bearing. Yeah. There's an aloofness or at least a, um, a tone deafness to some of that that like I would hope you would be aware of even if you think it or even if it's true. Sometimes you can't say those things. So that's 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 fair on top of the other things. Um, he needs to be past those kinds of things in my opinion. Yeah. Those and gaps. I, yeah. And I think if he just explains, uh, take the time to say what you mean. Don't just blow it off. Uh, and that, that was kind of one of those things. If you think that a hundred and, and is, it has no bearing. It, why? Because it does to fans. And he could say, you know what? I understand where, where the fans are and where just say something like that. I, I don't care if it's fluff, say it. Right. We want to hear right. the fluff and sometimes. And why not? Right, right. Or say, you know, like, if I was a player and I heard a coach say that about my hundred loss or um, my job, I would, I would, I, that would bother me. I would say, well, I thought we're all here. Like, we all have to perform, right? I mean, he's not concerned. Um, I thought we all should be. Why, why can't Shelton just say, hey, look, we're all. We're all day to day at this type of thing, man. You're like we have to prove that you know we're yeah. here uh, to compete and perform. So, tone deaf. Yeah, the hundred percent. All right. So now Ben Sherrington, where are we at here? And I will tell you that last year, as much as I gave Derek Shelton an incomplete, there was a lot of things moved last year where I gave Ben Sherrington an A, and it's quite different. Uh, if you want me to share first, yeah, it's a Go D. For it. 
And that's a big it, difference. It's a huge difference. And the reason is, is because this is a, this is a 2022 grade. Um, so when you look at like, okay, what were his moves? Well, he flipped Vogie for Holderman. Eh. He flipped Q for Nunez and Oviedo, which actually looks like it's a, a pretty good deal for, for both teams. But there was no difference making transactions this year. There was nothing that was like, that was really a huge thing. I thought the draft last year was way more exciting, the the, the guys that they got in the draft than they than it was this year. And, you know, the way that they did with Henry Davis and and, you know, ended up with three first rounders and things like that. I thought last year that that kind of stuff was a lot better. Um now that doesn't mean it'll play out that way. I understand that. But just looking at this year, where we are now. I thought they held on to Van Meter and Yoshi too long. Sure. The, just the ads, the waiver claims, and the and you know I know Van Meter was technically a, a trade, but you know he falls under that category for me. Yeah, I, I truthfully until you said that I forgot that that wasn't just a. a it an it probably was one of those like we they put a claim on him in time that that gave them time to make a trade before it was a full on mm-hmm. waiver claim, something like that. Um, but. I still think it's very possible that the rebuild is still on track, but I think the lack of, of communication or the, the, just the poor communication is annoying. And just like I said, I know we don't need to know everything, but I think there's just, there, there's just has to be enough to say, can you just give me a, give these fans a ballpark with it's three straight now. I mean, I know 2020 wasn't actually a hundred, but the win, the winning percentage says it was over a hundred. Okay. Oh, it would it so it would have it would have been maybe the worst out of all of them. So yeah, it definitely would have been. And you, you know that's three straight one hundred lost years. I'm sorry, you got to give the fans something because they are not going to do anything. Like I said, even if it's still on track, I thought just exclusively for 2022. I I just thought that's what was bad about it. And the fact that you held back Cruz and you know what I mean? Just some of those different things. I just, um, those are the things that I wasn't pleased with. And so even though I'm not totally given up on, on what's going on there right now, because like I said, it still looks a lot like Houston. Uh, Not that they'll spend the kind of money Houston is right now, but you know what I'm saying? Right. That's the biggest factor is as far as the rebuild of it goes. Um, and I thought last offseason they had an opportunity to get a corner outfielder or a first baseman, which here we are saying the same exact thing this year, which tells me, well, then I can't give him anything better than that. Jake, yeah, it, Jake it, gave him a C, uh, and okay. I don't have much else to – I just think that's where uh, he was on it. So I'm, I, I'm at a C uh, as well, and probably uh, – I hate to wimp out here, but like – I, I want to see this off season like that to me, we're at such a critical juncture right now Yeah. that like, I'm still counting this off season as kind of part of this season. Okay. For, at least from a calendar year. And um, I just want to see, I, I, I want to see what transpires because I don't think they're going to do enough. And then I really want to hammer away, but I'm willing to wait and see as well. Prove it to me. Prove prove the criticism I'm about to give you or disprove it. So, yeah. Okay. Um, these ones are different. Most important storyline of 2022. And we. I'll do mine first because we already said, I think, everything we need to say about this one. 
But it was Mitch Keller. I think that's the most important storyline. I think just following his season and the up and down and all that stuff was was important for the team. Okay. Mine is uh, Cruz and Contreras, I think, are who we thought they were or hoped to be. And you're going to need some elite-type impact players if you want to get where you want this thing to go. They're going to have to come internally. And that, to me, is the storyline that maybe those two are those guys because you're going to have to have them. Yeah. Uh, Jake also went with Cruz, O'Neill Cruz. So, yeah, I mean, you just, true. you know, you look at these playoff teams and the side, you, you just have to have, you have to have the dudes that, that, that can put, put it on their backs. And they represent that to me. All right, here's a fun one for you. And I know I've heard some of your, uh, your personal awards that you give out on Twitter. <laughs> and so how about... Uh, your most tired take during the 2022 season? Most tired take. Um, <laughs> all right. I. Um, how about just, is this the tired, is it my tired, is it something I'm tired of seeing or something I'm tired of repeating or how much <laughs> way do you want me to go? I, I didn't think of it that way. I, I <laughs> thought of uh, of one that you see. Uh, that's, you know, uh, for, for instance, I have, who cares? They'll trade them when they get good. And Jake yeah. was basically the same, except he said like, who cares? They'll trade Cruz in a couple of years. Like, <laughs> like I don't care. Okay. If he's good. So like, it was really funny that he said that. And I actually got mad at him on the phone. Cause I was like, dude, you can't just say everything I already have written down. <laughs> yeah. But, okay. So, yeah. so mine, mine would probably be like, we talk about the pirates, right? I mean, we have podcasts. I get so sick and tired of someone saying, "Who cares? Why? Why do you care?" I'm like, well, "Check. We have bios on Twitter. Just look at it for just a second. There's a reason. Like, you know, I'm not just some uh, crazy loon hanging out on the Clemente Bridge that just is yelling at anyone that walks by. Um, there's a reason." We're talking about the pirates. It's it's what we do. We kn- and we and we know the game. So you know that would be one of them. The other one that I can't stand is is fire Shelton. After mm. every loss, that like people just keep pounding that drum. A, I don't think they're going to do that right now. And B, when you see a bullpen like they had at the end of the year and you are upset with Derek Shelton, you pick up the phone and pick someone from that bullpen. There's nobody down there. That's it. You know? So um, that drives me nuts because I'm not even saying that eventually that's not what's going to have to happen, that he'll have almost this stench of losing with him, that they'll want to move on and have someone else with more experience take, you know, take control of this. But my God, look at the roster shut up about firing Derek Shelton. Just it's yeah. it, it. So that's probably my biggest pet peeve. Yeah. Right I mean, now. the thing is, is that I'll share- save the rest of it for the Jaggies. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, um, Sherrington has a plan that's developing. I would guess that Derek Shelton is the guy that he wanted to be there for that process. 
So he's not going to get rid of him because he's doing exactly what, as what you said earlier, what, yeah, what he's been asked to do. And so, yeah, I get that. Uh, and I know that who cares they'll trade him when they get good is a, is a, is a take that didn't just happen this year, <laughs> but I'm still yeah. sick of it. It's, it's lazy. It's boring. Like that's, and it's not true. And so Jake said, when he said on the phone, he goes, I'm just tired of defending it. How many mm-hmm. times do I have to list off McCutcheon, Marte, Polanco, Harrison, all those guys that they actually did extend when they needed to. And they've already shown with key Bryant, like it's not when they get good, it's when they get expensive <laughs> and, <laughs> and you know what I mean? And really argue argue with me about my favorite player probably you know since Andy Van Slyke is Andrew McCutcheon and probably most of ours and tell me that we didn't make a good decision because I mean baseball decision you can't you'd be hard-pressed to you know what I mean even though I want him back it's it's not that it's that's not the point he declined and that's the way that's the way it goes um, well, anybody that's talking about rookies and saying they're going to be gone in a year or two, it doesn't even, it's just not even set up that way. Like, no. even if the, like, like there's, there's years and years of control. Yeah. It's, it's one of the worst things about baseball from a player standpoint is how long you have to go before you can finally start earning, you know, I mean, look at Brian Reynolds at this point, you know, even. Um, so that's just, yeah, I mean, that's just, and, and, and if you don't care, why comment? Yeah. You know, like you if do people care. don't care, why comment? You know, they care. They're just mad. Yeah. Well, <laughs> hey, in a way they, they, they've, they, in a way I, I, I understand that, but find a different way to do it. That's right. Uh, we got one last thing and then, and then we'll do something fun before we, before we get off here. But uh, we're going to the offseason here. We're all going to say who they should sign, who they should do, all these things. But I thought it would be interesting to throw out a couple coaching tips. And I'm like, you know, well, I'll see where it goes. But uh, without, like, really explaining. But, like, just things that we say going into the offseason. I mean, maybe this is something of one of the guys that we said you took a step back. Or, you know what I mean, maybe it's – as simple as O'Neill Cruz needs to get consistent, whatever. Just a coaching tip. I've got two of them. Um, okay. uh, and I'll go ahead and start because uh, we've actually talked about this and I held back from saying this um, because I, I was saving it for this. Key Brian Hayes. And the tip is work on pulling the ball. And the, and, and the interesting thing about this is, is I looked at the numbers. Um, at bats that finished... With him going up the middle, uh, let me look through my note here. It is, it's over 200. 226 at-bats that ended with him going up the middle. And we know that's where he spends most of his time. 99 at-bats going opposite field. So that's as huge difference as it usually uh-huh. is. How about 50 at-bats finished him going towards left? You can cut that in half for a right-handed hitter not to pull the ball. And here's the striking thing that's really going to get you. His batting average when he pulls the ball was 380. Zero home runs, though. So kind of where I'm at is, is if you've got to be able to do damage pulling the ball, I mean, he only had, what, seven home runs? Five of them to center, two of them opposite field, something like that, seven or eight. 
either way, yeah, I think I it would think seven, maybe. Yeah, seven. And like I said, five up the middle to center, two of them to right field, zero to the pool side. And I think that I think it's more of an approach thing. Like get there, get comfortable with it because you can do it. You just need to do it more. I the it's really interesting and I'm glad you did look at kind of that breakdown, but that's again you're you're talking a, pr- a premium position too where he has I mean, to not be pulling the ball and not getting any power out of that it, it, you know he's so it's so funny too because for a guy that is so good at taking the ball the other way that is typically the hard thing yeah. about hitting guys go their whole careers and never figure out kind of how to hit the ball the other way with authority or they don't want to He's the exact opposite. Yeah. It's really, it's the curious thing, Josh. It really is. Uh, and just to say, 273 when he goes opposite field and 332 up the middle. So, I mean, we, I mean, yeah. I think we all know, like, yeah, he goes up the middle a lot. He goes opposite field is always going to be, a, in my opinion, is especially for, uh, well, for a right hander specifically, will always be a little bit less of an average. Because especially with Key Bryan, we've seen this a bunch. There, a lot of times, it's an unselfish at bat where you're moving a runner and you're getting out. Mm-hmm. But it's right. more important to move that runner. And if it gets through, great. If it doesn't, that's okay. It was productive, kind of a thing. You know what I mean? Sure. And so I do. You know, I I see that. But like 380 to the pool side, I just need to see more of it. It's not going to stay at 380, well, obviously. No, he he needs to be using more of the whole field. That's it. So, um, mine kind of works off that a little bit is, uh, and I look at it more like big picture. Um, I think they need to get back to, uh, focusing more for this team, for this organization, you got to find other ways to beat teams or make up ground that you're not going to make up other ways. Situational hitting. I think they need to really, really, you know, um, focus in on that um doing all the little things in at bats and defensively in the infield they got to get back to being one of the better teams uh yeah as far as uh, not beating themselves with errors and so i could get into things like i'd like to see them try out cal, cal mitchell at first whatever but i don't know i don't know what's going on this this offseason at first base maybe they don't even have to do that but the things i think you can control get back to being able to you're going to have some speed in this lineup too you're going to have guys like bay and hopefully and Cruz and hayes even had 20 steals That's right yeah. so like let's stress the defense a little bit let's focus on what you talked about which is sometimes moving the runner having an unselfish at bat doing things to um generate some offense that way and let's not beat ourselves with the gloves let's not beat ourselves with errors and throwing away ball games. So those are the things that I think that like, Hey, you don't have the biggest payroll. Great. So, you know, control what you can control. Those are things I think you can control to an, to a degree. That's interesting. My second one is not necessarily for the organization to do this, but Hey, Cal, go buy a first baseman's mitt. (laughs) <laughs> take this upon yourself to buy a first baseman's mitt and work on adding first base to your bag because 
the bat can be there. We saw good at bats from him. I think that if he can learn that position, his arm's not great. It gives him the ability to be there. If we do make a signing and he gets hurt, you can raise your hand and say, put me in the lineup if you're being forced out. And so I, to me, I, I think you, you have to make yourself available for that because I, 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 it has to be. Somebody's got to step I, up. I would want to do it from a player standpoint simply because, like you said, it makes me more valuable. And I watch him play the outfield. He's not he's not a bull in a china shop. He's got he's 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 athletic enough. He'll there's look, a lot people make the mistake that first base is is easy. It's not. He's got he's gonna have to learn footwork and he's gonna have to know what to do on every play. And there's holding runners on there's so much. Of course, that's my that's my position. So I, I love it. <laughs> I always will. Um uh but he's somebody that I think you should at least try there um that that looks like he might be able to make the transition yeah so well and now maybe remember, they're going to go a different route right but if you remember back when when they when they called him up shelton even made a statement about uh it was him or, or sherrington one of the two made a statement about he was doing some things that they wanted to see and it was centered around defense in right field so it almost was like hey he made big strides defensively that we were asking him to make. So apparently there was an improvement there, which huh. tells me he's capable of going and doing that. And we're talking about the the one thing in his game that lacked was his arm. Well, and it's, and it's, and it's lacking. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's like, I'm, t- I don't want to, I don't want to harp on the, on the guy or, or, or whatnot, but, I'm talking that's got to be a bottom five arm in right field. It has to be. Um, and that's just something, again, when we talk about the little things, Josh, where defensively, I mean, you can't have him in a ball game out there late in a game with, with, with runners on and you, and, and what are you going to do? I mean, or he can't, he, he cannot, you can't have that. Yeah. So again, it's, it's valid. Do you have another one? Um, no, I think defensively situational. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's because, because to me, that's just like stuff like no matter what happens in the off season, what are you doing about these things in house that can help you win ball games? Yeah. Uh, Especially when they're in so many one run type games, they already were. Yeah. Yeah. 21 and 27. That's a lot of games. That's a ton of games, man. Just flip that, right? You can flip that. For sure. And that's all it takes. Right. How much difference were we would we be talking about this season had they just been able to do that? You know? So Yeah, I, I picked I picked 70 wins for this season. We might have seen that if we just played better defense. That might have been yeah, eight I mean, games. It, you know. it doesn't take yeah. Between that and the bullpen. You know, and that's why I, I, I'm big on the bullpen too. I'm like, man, if you want to go out and 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 spend some money, I'd do it in the bullpen. I would rebuild it, and I would get try to get competitive there because there there's where you can make some headway. Yeah, and I think when you really look at it, there's still some guys there that are worth keeping there. Will Crow, Bednar, I, shoot, if if they don't, I mean, 
DeYoung's at least going to get another season after that. Sure. You know what I mean? But like, there's guys well, Yer- there. Yeri's uh, got a ton of potential. Uh, Holderman looked good. Yeah. Uh, we know what Bednar's capable. I mean, they've got some big arms back there. That's what I'm saying. Like, can you fill in those other areas? I, I, that's where I would take. try to make some hay, man. Like that. Yeah. That's a lot of names just to say, go add me. Actually, Manny Benuelos wasn't bad. He wasn't. And I kind of laughed at him when we signed him. Yeah. Um, you know, can that, can that, is that sustainable with him? I don't know. Lefty arms are going to be a thing that they're going to need to look at too. Yep. If they can add another impact lefty arm and take a little bit off of him, he's still good. Like you could add yeah. three pieces to that bullpen and say, like, yeah, we're we're okay. And Especially if you can keep a... Johan Ramirez around for the depth. To you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's doable. We'll All see. right, man. I uh, we're a little long, but that's uh, I know, that's, man. Right. I I get that way. Yeah, I do too. So it's perfect. We do this all the time. So you, this is nothing new. But we 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 aim for an hour and we never fall short. So, um, <laughs> so before we get out of here, uh, I will tell you right now, San Diego is leading four to nothing in Game Three against the Mets. It's the bottom of the seventh. Joe Musgrove still on the mound, still dealing That's out there. Um, good for him. It looks like. I mean, right now it looks like San Diego finishes it off, but the other games, two and out. Um, I just want to know, and you know, we'll have ours in here, and I have Jake's picks on the next step, dude. First and foremost, I want to tell you, like, Fubo TV got me AT and T uh, Sportsnet for this season. Like, I switched from YouTube TV to Fubo, and then we get to this point here, and I said, "Oh crap, I don't have TBS." <laughs> So I flipped. Is that true? You I can... flipped. <laughs> I'm back to YouTube TV. Oh, you know. So you can just do month to month, whatever you, you want. Whatever you want. You just pause them. And you know what was funny is I said, uh, I had this discussion uh, with, with my wife, Katie. And I said, hey, I have to flip. We have to get TBS back. And she's like, okay. And then I got a text that said, oh, wait, that means we lose Magnolia. The Magnolia Network with, with yeah, Chip and Joe, you the, know. So <laughs> how did you how did you navigate that? I said... Well, from what I can see, the only days that there won't be baseball on is October 10th and October 21st or whatever the day is. I said, so I think you can go two days without. <laughs> and then as soon as, as soon as the ALCS is over, we'll flip back and you can, we can have Magnolia back. <laughs> the things our wives do for us. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Um, First and foremost, we talked about this. Three-game series, way to go. There's no more yes. one game, so I'm not going to touch on that since we're since we're long. Um, Cleveland beat Tampa Bay. Uh, did you have Cleveland there or did you have Tampa? I had Tampa just because I keep expecting this to end for Cleveland, and, it, and it's not. Um, yeah. Yeah, for I me, had, a three-game series, uh, I, was, I was on Cleveland because of their pitching. And and it actually was that, exactly that, what I thought. Literally four home runs is all that happened in that whole thing. Offense was non-existent. Non-existent. Yeah. Uh, I worry for them. They're going on to play the Yankees. If they they just had a game where they went fourteen innings without scoring, if the if the offense doesn't click, they don't stand a chance. Yeah. 
Uh, who, but go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, but I mean, we've we've under I've underestimated them. So uh, you know, the Yankees haven't exactly been setting the world on fire in the second half. So no, no, I uh, Jake's going with the Yankees. Okay, and I I probably will too. Just again, we'll see if the, I would love for that not to happen, but we'll see. Yeah, I. I will say for now, uh, I'm I'm a believer. I'm going I'm going Guardians here. I think the Yankees are are, are a bit of choking as well. Um, and I'm a lot I'm gonna of pressure go, on them. I'm going to go with the Guardians because they finished it in two games. I think they're going to have the rest that their their That's arms are going to be ready to go. And I just think that especially that one two. And I know Garrett Cole's good, but all you got to do is delay the game five minutes, and he stinks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't upset don't upset him because uh, he tends to pout about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I had I was thinking Yankees when they finished that game yesterday. I thought, no, I think, and I know they went 15 innings, but I just think they're set up for it. I, I really do, uh, and I think I think I'm going. Not to mention, I, I currently live in you know Central Ohio, where there's a lot of Cleveland and Cincinnati fans. Um, right. So I got some friends who are, you know, uh, that I'm saying, they're yeah, a fun team to root for. Yeah. They're a fun team to root for. There's no, no reason to hate them. Nope. Um, so they're, what do you think in Seattle? Oh, yeah, go ahead. What do you think in Seattle and Houston? I think Houston's just so darn good. So I, good. I, just, I just can't see that happening. It'd be great, but I just, I, I think Houston's, Houston's so, so tough. Yeah. I think that... My pick would have been guaranteed been Houston if Toronto moved on. Uh, but with Seattle moving on, there's a real interesting thing here that Seattle's familiar with Houston. But I would venture to say Houston is not familiar with Seattle. You know, the last time they played each other this season was before the trade deadline, which is I, yeah, pre-Castillo. Obviously. Right. And and just some of the uh, like some of the like surge that they've made late in this season, I don't think Houston really knows who they're going to who they're playing. I think they're going to look at them as the little brother and could get shocked here. Interesting. So yeah, I, I'm I mean, going for the upsets in the American League. Uh I'm not in the National League. I don't care who wins this game tonight. I have Dodgers in Atlanta moving on and Jake has the same thing. I I can't see it ending any different like than that. I think they've been on a collision course for months now. Yep. Atlanta, the way they close things out, and LA, just the way they're built. I, yeah. I mean, if that if that doesn't happen, it'll shock me. Um, but yeah, uh, that's that's. If I'm doing it any other way, it's because I I'm hope I'm trying to hope something to happen and I I can't get there. Yeah, I'm the same. Uh, I spent a lot of time. I've shared this on the on the podcast before. Uh, when we were first married and didn't have cable, all we had was MLB TV. We spent a year in Indiana living there, and so we got MLB TV so we could watch the Pirates. We had nothing else to watch, so when the Pirates game was over, I was finding a West Coast team. And at the time, Vin Scully was still calling Dodger games. So there's a little bit of uh, there's a little bit of uh, appreciation for Dodgers that's inside my heart because I got to watch so many Dodger games. I think one of the only nights I didn't watch the Dodgers was the one that Jerry Meals made the bad call in the 
two o'clock in the morning. Oh, <laughs> it was I was that watching year. that. I was watching that live. <laughs> yeah. And I was like that, you know, other than that, every night I flipped it over to listen to Vince Gully. And so there's a little bit there where I'm like, you know, I don't mind seeing the Dodgers do well because I just watch so much Dodger baseball that it's it's fine for me. You know what I mean? They don't feel like an evil sure. team. But Well, and for me, it's one of those things where if the Dodgers won it every year, maybe that would get some change in baseball. So I do think about it in those terms of like the more the good teams win it, maybe that gets enough people to say well, something's got to change. I mean, yeah. so I, if it happens that way, so be it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, it's either way. I love postseason baseball. So I watch a lot. Oh I'm, man. You know, I'm a baseball fan through and through. I, I, you know, I like, well, I like football too, but for me, man, I'll flip over to the football game when I'm watching the baseball game. It's, it's not the other way around for sure. Yeah. But postseason baseball, man, every pitch, it, oh. like it's a cliche, but every pitch. And that's, what's funny to me a little bit about baseball is because things seem to get managed a little differently when the postseason comes around, like things that maybe people thought didn't matter. All of a sudden they do again. So it's just a cure. It runs are at a premium. You do what you need to do to, yeah. Get some of those runs in. Yeah. Really so. good. Well, we'll see how this plays out. And Jim, guy, well, first off, guys, if you're not listening or, or watching the Pirates Fan Forum podcast, check it out. Um, you've you mentioned it this week. You had McHenry on. Uh, it was a great yeah. show. I listened. It was it was awesome. And you have another one. Uh, who's on this week? You have another guest this week, right? Yeah. Um, as far as I know, he's still good to go. We're gonna have Mike DeCourcy on from the sporting news. And um, Mike's a legend, and I mean, he he's originally from Pittsburgh, so there's that connection as well. And um, we just we've had him on before. He's just he's just he's just good at what he does, and he's got a lot of knowledge and insight. So, uh, um, yeah. So check out McHenry last week. Uh, he was really good. He had some unbelievable insight and knowledge about the game itself and the Pirates. So yeah. Um, yeah. So thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, what else other than pirates fan forum, uh, if people want to get in contact with you and check your stuff out, where are you at? Yeah. So I'm pretty much Twitter all the time. It's Pittsburgh all the time. If anybody follows me, they know I'm, I am, uh, um, all Pittsburgh. So it's, uh, at Jim Stam 22 or for the city underscore four one two. And it's Steelers pirates pit and penguins and um uh steelers are hurting my heart right now but <clears throat> we'll uh we'll try to get through it that the pirate the pirate fan of me knows how to handle the steeler fan of me right now let's okay. just put it that way that's cool i like that <laughs> but thanks for having me on man and uh we'll have to get you back on at some point too yeah for sure that'd be fun all right thanks guys that's all we have for this week and we'll see you next week Thanks for listening to my dad and Uncle Jake on the Bridge to Bucktober podcast. Follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Bridge the Number Two Bucktober. Don't forget to subscribe so you know when new episodes are released. Clear the deck, cannibal coming, and let's go, Bucks! Mm-hmm.